everybody! Just want to give you a quick content warning. We are talking about The Handmaid's Tale, which has sexual trauma amongst other trauma. If you are unaware of the story, please be cautious. If these are your triggers, take care of yourself. You don't have to listen to this. It's okay. We understand. This is the strangest story I have ever heard. Take a seat, grab a drink, and listen to my words. First, a podcast where two buds talk trash about how their favorite shows begin. We're the two buds. I'm Alex. And this guy's Ethan. So, wow. I feel like every episode I start, it's been a while. It's been 2020. Yeah, that's just, excuse us, don't mind us. (laughs) It is September. I originally had our first season to be done by June. We're only halfway through, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of weird how you have little sabbaticals here and there and that they just pile up, you know? It's great. We could say we were just eat, pray, loving it this entire time, but we both know that's not the fact. It's so not. We're just doing our best, honestly. <laughs> we're trying, okay? <laughs> For you all, though, there's like no difference. It's just that we've been yes. recording this since January. We've only been recording this for a whole year. By the time we're done with season two, we'll have been recording this for a whole year. So. If that doesn't say anything about, like, the production value of anything in 2020, I don't know what does. So, hey, we're on the same schedule as most television and movie networks, so we're fine. We're doing good. We're still producing. I feel better now. Oddly. Yes. Yes, you're welcome. But I also feel like everyone needs to hop on Twitter and also thank Ethan for doing this. Because again, I, when I pitched this to him, I'm like, oh, it's super quick. We'll be done with it in a few months. You'll be done. I, I'm kind of a, a big old jerk when it comes to timelines, and you're gonna you're gonna hate it. Oh my god, I've been the worst offender. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think you and I trade off like every other week. So for the audience, we we all are both like, so are we recording this week? Ah, ah shit. Uh, <laughs> next week. And it, and it trades between who, who rain checks on each other next. So so we're both at fault. But hey, just gives you more quality audio from these two buds. It's like multiple repilots over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. But um, in case you're new here, we're here to talk trash about some pilot episodes. And I don't know. I feel like we go back and forth. I feel like sometimes we talk trash. I feel like I, I talk like that's like the gimmick of the show. We're not that bad. We're really not that bad. We're really not that bad. It's not like we have, like, released the Snyder Cut or, you know, (laughs) Last Jedi doesn't count t-shirts or something (laughs) like that, so. I, oh, oh man. I just, just, yeah. If you take offense to that, you're part of the problem. (laughs) So, but this week is special. It's been a while, for a lot of reasons, but it's been a while since we've done a self-pick episode. Yeah. And it's I been a bit. really enjoy these because they really let us get a chance to find shows that we've been meaning to watch, and that gives us an excuse to watch them. Ethan. You made a mistake, it seems like. I did! 
Uh-oh. I think this is the worst show I've watched. Oh, man. Across well, the board. At least it was for a homework assignment, not something you actually genuinely, I guess, thrust upon yourself. You did want to watch it, but, you know, yeah. So, and I'm going to get a lot, a lot of flack for this, because mm-hmm. I picked a really well-known, award-winning show. Yeah, I did too. So I guess she just go into it. Yeah. I I guess you could say so this episode since it's self pick, we both decided we wanted something, you know, award winning and two different original shows. So you went with the classic The Crown Is on it a Netflix. Classic? It's set in a classical time, right? <laughs> okay. Is that That's how it works. Like, no, it's not that renowned. old. Yeah, no, I know it's not that old. My bad. Uh <laughs> I guess I should say you got to you decided to pick the award nominated show The Crown and then I picked the award winning nominated show on Hulu called The Handmaid's Tale and I always try to pronounce it as The Handmaiden's Tale and I know that's wrong so please forgive me in advance. <laughs> I'm really really excited for your perspective. I think yours is going to be far more fascinating. I don't want to sell myself short. It's just I'm really excited about your perspective. <laughs> Sounds like we're just going to get like a two minute review from you and you're going to be like, and here's the mic. <laughs> this might be the shortest review I give. Oh, man. Again, I don't know if that's exciting or bad. <laughs> so I just might every time I start with a disclaimer why I don't like something, right? Mm-hmm. Disclaimer this time. I was so bored. <laughs> I was so bored the entire time. There was no point where I was like, OK, this is getting good. It was an hour of boredom. And if I had been watching it, not for this, I would have stopped halfway through and never gone back. I mm. was la bored. To the point that we watched this three weeks ago, something like that. Was, I watched mine about three yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. And so I knew I should rewatch this. I couldn't get myself to do it. I could not get myself to rewatch this pilot. Yeah, I got I got your message and you're like, I can't do it, Ethan. I can't. I'm glad you're able to rewatch your show, but I can't. I can't, buddy. <laughs> and my notes are shit. They're bad because I was like, what the fuck is even like uh, I don't I guess I guess we should premise this. Did you at any point during the episode actually nod off or fall asleep? No. Okay, so it wasn't that bad. I've had that with TV shows. Like, granted, that's like in the middle of the series where I'm binging it, and mm-hmm. I get a little lethargic, and I've just ate a sandwich, and I'm like, oh, sleepy. <laughs> and then I go back, and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I missed an episode. So at least you didn't have that happen. You were just like, no, there are better things I could be doing with my time, I guess. <laughs> and like, it's a weird sort of boredom. Like, I wasn't angry at watching it. I just was not happy. I did not enjoy myself. At any moment. And so I guess if you're unaware, The Crown is following... Yeah, you know what? Just break it down. I think most people kind of have an idea what The Crown may be for the most part. It's it's following young Queen Elizabeth, who is Mm -hmm. a powerhouse. However, we won the war. So I do not care about (laughs) royalty. You mean there aren't stakes in history right now? (laughs) I just, I, again, it's, it's something that when the royals get married, I don't care about at all. I, I, I don't have an investment in this. I mean, if I can back up your claim, I remember wanting to watch this show years ago, like when season two was just coming out. And so I hopped on and tried to watch it. I had the same problem. 
I remember watching the first episode and I was like, wow, there is a previous incarnation of a doctor in this and I cannot get past it. Like he he can't carry the show by himself. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, I get it. It, I thought there was going to be, I'll give it this. It's probably as historically accurate as you can get because they like don't, it doesn't seem like they dramatize it enough for, you know, a regular audience. <laughs> there isn't enough, like, intrigue or, you know, suspense with, the with like, even the first episode. I think I watched, like, ten minutes of the second episode. I was like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> I feel like the first episode is a prologue. Mm-hmm. And as, as is a pilot episode, right, you're getting a bunch of information. Yep. But it's literally just following her marrying Philip, who's kind of a shitbag. And them having kids, dad being sick, he's got the tuberculosis, and dad trying to prepare Elizabeth to be queen, but like super casual, like, no, no, this is no big deal. He thinks he's going to be fine. I guess I I call it TB because he's coughing up blood. It's a tumor. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Winston Churchill's in it, and the Winston Churchill, they brought him back. (laughs) They brought him back, they cloned him, aged him 47 years. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but like, that was really the only part I kind of enjoyed, but that's also because that's like my field of interest, right? This kind of counter-intel espionage bullshit, so. Do you know who played uh, Winston Churchill? Can you, did you recognize him? Yes. This was also three weeks ago? Was this... I can fill you in if you want. Was it um, Back to the Future guy? Nope. Okay, who was it? John Lewithko. Or John Lithgow. <laughs> the fucking blank expression out of my face. Like, I know names. <laughs> Give me a character. <laughs> he was the Trinity Killer in Dexter. Oh! Um, um, yeah. He's Dick in Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> yeah. It mm-hmm. There it is. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> and so you get like this little section too because he just got elected back in and some people are happy some people are mad but he knows of the king's like dishealth unhealthiness and the king's trying to pass it off like oh no for someone who just got a lung removed i'm doing great that mofo is dying he is doing very poorly even back in 1940s, if you were missing a one, that was not a good sign. <laughs> not great. You kind of need no, both. Probably, probably worse <laughs> back then. People now are struggling with that stuff. They're like, no, we need a full set, bitch. <laughs> they come in pairs. <laughs> Buddy system. So, like, okay, sick dad. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth's trying to come to, like, grips with the fact that she's in the next in line, even though she doesn't know that her dad's, like, sick sick. Like, obviously they know that he's going through surgery, but, like, they're, they're all trying to play nice, right? And then marriage is a shitbag husband. Churchill's doing Churchill things. But, like, one of the overarching maybe second half of this is that her husband is not wanting to support her, uh, who was going to be the queen. Like, he's still trying to, like, make it about him. Like, oh, yeah, I gave up my citizenship. I gave up my... All this stuff just to be with right, you, right? Because isn't he Danish or something like that? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know history, and this was going to be my show to, you know, feel cultured and know what's going on. But remember I how I said I wrote really bad notes? <laughs> yeah, this is like I, I, I'm looking at my notes. This is nothing useful. But so he's, at, so he's like, I'm giving all this up for you. She's like, Yeah, but it's worth it because we're in love, right? Sure, babe. Like it's so <laughs> bad. 
But so she is like trying to say, oh yeah, no, uh, my dad wants me to do the Commonwealth tour, which is going all over the world, doing royalty shit. And he's like, "Mm, but do we have to? I don't (laughs) want to. And she's like, but but babe, come on. I don't know. I kind of want to stay home. And so she then goes and talks to her dad, not like in a whiny, complaining kind of way, but it gets brought up. I think he even brings it up. Like, hey, how are you feeling about your hubby? And she's like, everything's great through pain and tears. Um, no, she, this character's portrayed very stoic and well-rounded because she's a fucking powerhouse. And so she says, hey, you know, he kind of doesn't think you like him. Typical dad son-in-law nonsense, right? And he's like, I should go take him hunting. So like one of the last scenes is them going hunting for ducks. But he takes this moment as they have this semi-private shared experience to remind him, hey, your job, your duty is to support the queen. All the stuff you had in your life doesn't matter anymore. The only thing that matters is that my baby girl feels supported by you. Step up, son. And the guy being like, okay. Like, kind of really (laughs) coming to grips with the fact that, oh yeah, no, I'm going to be king, but I'm not really gonna be a king it's just that i'm married to the queen Mm -hmm. which again i think it probably there's something to discuss there about power dynamics right like in america at some point we will have a first lady right or not first lady fuck uh, a female president madam president which means we're gonna have Mm -hmm. do we even have a first gentleman first gentleman whatever first man (laughs) i don't think first man were first i i think first gentleman will probably be it if they have first lady it must be first gentleman i would hope Ladies and gentlemen. So, anyways, at some point we're going to have that, and it's going to be interesting to see those dynamics change, like hearing what the first gentleman's going to, like, his his charity is going to be, and how he's going to support the president. So, Mm -hmm. I can see how it it is important. Well, I can say the show is boring. I'm not saying the historical significance behind all this is boring. I just don't know enough. It's never was something that I was super interested in to begin with, and the show... And I think the reason why I get frustrated is I really like shows that are historical that make people look up information. Mm-hmm. This was not one of them. Besides, I didn't know who her dad was. So I had to figure out it was King George. <laughs> I just, it was so lackluster. And I feel yeah. like usually I give like really detailed stories. That was it. That's the plot of the first episode. Yeah. I think... From what I understand, they've gone more as an anthology anymore, and I think, like, they're coming out with, like, their last season now, and it's about Princess Diana. So I think they're getting another draw-in for that, obviously, and Mm -hmm. I think there is a big cultural significance for that, too, and people know about that. But, yeah, again, as an outside person, I don't really know British history that well because I was not a historical major. I know the big stuff, like the wars and all that, but, like you said... The wars are over. What's what are they doing with their downtime right now? Like they just had to bring it back with Churchill and be like, "Hey, he was big in the war. He got reelected." It's like cool. And cool. <laughs> you brought up like it didn't have intrigue or mystery. I didn't necessarily need intrigue or mystery to keep me hooked. Like I didn't need a cliffhanger. That's mm-hmm. not what I wanted from this. It just the pacing was so very terribly slow. And mm-hmm. I feel like oh, they stretched out dry. like thirty minutes or 20 minutes into an hour. I think the big thing about this show is it's very much a, it's a setting show or like a setting piece. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily per se. I mean, they're using the acting a lot for it and it's a really great show, but obviously the pacing is also used because they have such 
uh, big background settings and everything. Like, the environment is part of the show, and that's what they're trying to show is, you know, you've got Buckingham Palace, you've got the king's office, and you've got all these other locations, even when they're off of, you know, the Capitol Hill and everything. I guess I don't <laughs> think they have a Capitol Hill, but see... Uh, no, it's okay. I watch. Yeah, I I I'm an Anglophile in TV, but not in actual like British cultural terms. So, um, there you go. Um, yeah, Capitol Hill, where the you the know. kings and queens stay. You know, Buckingham Palace, all that jazz. Uh, uh, guards with big hats that are stoic. It's, it's okay. Um, I'll say I'll save you real quick because I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, that is something I did like about the show is that the cinematography, the use of color, the use of scenery was all choice. The mm-hmm. The costuming was beautiful, uh, but not like gaudy. It just was really nice to see it in a way that wasn't like, do you get it? Do you get that word era show? Like it's, yeah. it's, it was, it was really well done and tasteful. It's just the content was not yeah. there. I think, I think it was, um, not necessarily that it wasn't all meat, no substance, but it was very much like it was a very beautifully plated uh, meal. But when you really look at it, you were either wanting something more or you were wanting something else from it rather than just like a tiny little piece of cube steak drizzled with like some soy sauce on top and garnished with some cilantro on it or something like that. I see your metaphor, and I'm going to raise you. (laughs) It is your favorite bowl to eat cereal in, but all you have is cornflakes. Okay. No milk? I mean, we have milk. It's like that thing, like, I gotta eat breakfast. At least my favorite bowl is clean. I gotta hope I'm not the only person who has a favorite bowl. Um, No, I got one. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, like, you have your favorite thing. Uh, And, like, it serves its purpose. Gets just some energy. But if you had something else to eat. You probably would. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. At least some Frosted Flakes or something like that. But I think yours gives a lot more credit, credit to, again, the prettiness of it. Right. I yeah. just, I left it feeling so void and empty <laughs> and just like, wow, I watched that. This, this that became... Was 60, a, that was 60 minutes of my life right there. Yeah. And there's people who really enjoy this and I personally do not get it i do not understand i'm sure there's some great stuff that happens down the line but this is like i don't know i feel like the girl who cried wolf right i'm mm-hmm. never gonna watch the rest of this show and that's happened already a lot <laughs> but like there's just <laughs> nothing i can't even think of like how many shows it could be the last show on the planet and i'd be like no i'm good you can keep it you got it it's all you that's your thing i'll leave you to it <laughs> So uh, this is, I think, this is what my my personal, for me, my fourth self-pick episode. And it's the first time I've had a big whammy. Mm. So it's bound to happen, right? There's yeah. Not all, you don't have to like all shows. Not all shows have to be to your tastes. Uh, it's good to stretch yourself, too, and try something that you normally wouldn't. My mom recommended this to me. I know you said you really liked the show, but boy, that pilot's rough, yo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I, I watched a couple episodes, but... I more or less said I liked it just to keep, like, you know, <laughs> support you. Did to, you to lie to it. me? I didn't lie. I just <gasps> forgot, like, just from your expression, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's what that show was about. Because I definitely didn't continue with it. So it was like I got, like I said, two or three episodes in and then I stopped. 
I found something different to watch. I think Letterkenny started coming on, so mm-hmm. that's better humor. And obviously, The Crown's not trying to be a comedy, no. so <laughs> no. it's two different spectrums. Yeah, would this ever be anything that you would like put on in the background? I know you're a person that has stuff in the background while you're doing stuff. No, not even that. You're you're worried it's gonna drone you to sleep or something like that. <laughs> okay. The key to a good background show is something that you're keeping half an ear out for. It's to mm-hmm. keep you kind of awake. It's to keep you kind of attentive. At least for myself, I know we, you're not supposed to multitask anything. But <laughs> I, again, I've been doing this for a while now. So like the biggest thing is that you want something that holds your attention, but doesn't hold you like enraptured by it, right? Sure. So The Crown has... The only thing that I liked about the show was the scenery. Mm-hmm. Which you would need to watch to do mm-hmm. the thing. Sure. But as far as plot stuff goes, again, I got nothing. I also have a low-key thing with true history stuff or really any kind of media where it's like, we know how this ends. We know how this ends. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is super funny because then I get up on my high horse about wanting to make sure that books, when when books are made to movies, I want them to be the exact same thing because I know I want to know exactly how it goes because that's how the author wanted it to be. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you want the true adaptation? Yes. I get a lot of shit for that because I am super critical because you never get it. You never get yeah. besides season one of Game of Thrones. You never get it. But as far as like this stuff, Rogue One, like again, get ready. For, I'm going to get a lot of trash. I haven't seen Rogue One because I know how it ends. <laughs> I have no interest. Zero interest in it. So um, that's it's like, okay. It's okay. We both have at least one Star Wars movie we haven't watched. I I have watched Rogue One. I do enjoy that one, but I still haven't seen Solo, and it's been like out available everywhere. I don't think you're like, gonna get crap for that though. Eh, I don't know. I mean, I heard and I've heard basically. Actually, I've heard like next to Zill about it. I know what the spoiler is really at the end, but other than that, meh. Don't care. The only good thing about that show, I remember leaving it. I'm like, boy. Boy, I hope Glover gets his own show. And our mm-hmm. boy did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing I'm like, I need to watch it for that. That's, I was really excited, but I just didn't go to it. That's uh, fine. Like, it came out, like, a few months after the, uh, one of the other Star Wars movies. And I was like, I see, like, how people could get, like, fatigued from, like, superhero movies, let alone Star Wars. So I was like, I get it. I get it. <laughs> We need to talk about media fatigue at some point. Yes. But not today. (laughs) You mean that's not what we already just did? Mm, Maybe. Mm. (laughs) It's our podcast. We do whatever we want. Except (laughs) for the fact that this is like, that's all I really have to say about The Crown, I guess, and my experience with it. Did you have any other, like, curiosities? (sighs) Anything they can pull out of me? No. I mean, was there, like, a key performance, I guess, that, like I said, the husband you're talking about is played by a matt smith he was a doctor on doctor who and he's been in a few other things since then but i guess i was really excited to see him in this was there anyone like you were really excited or were happy to see or was it just ah yes these actors are doing good at their job the story's just not appealing to me yeah i thought i was like yep good job good acting i get it normally i'll complain about clunky dialogue the dialogue was fine mm-hmm. boring <laughs> 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 Which is such a weird dynamic to say. Like, oh yeah, the dialogue was fine. What didn't you like about it? It was boring. Then how was it fine? It was like, it, it wasn't poorly yeah. performed. It wasn't poorly written. It just did not yeah. grab my attention. Right. At all. 
if you read the script, you'd probably say, yeah, this is great writing. But at the same time, you're just like, nah. Not my thing. Not my jam. Well, I guess then the last question I have for you is out of 13 crowns, what would you rate the crown? Boy. <laughs> I have this eternal conflict every episode where I'm like, particularly when I don't like something. I know mm-hmm. what my opinions are. Let's let's give you like the uh let's give you the option for like the rotten tomatoes. You have your audience rating and then you have <laughs> your your critic rating. So what's your critic rating versus your your overall opinion? Okay. I'll give you I'll give you that. You can do 13 crowns for for your critic or your critique and then 13 crowns for your audience. Have you ever been so extra in your own goddamn podcast that your co-host has to make exceptions to you and make <laughs> rules so that we can get your own way? Fuck. <laughs> I just I just enjoy it. Maybe we'll just have to throw that in there. It's just great. I was just like, okay. If it's your yeah, internal conflict. Let's let's compromise. We'll figure it out. Okay, so uh from a critic standpoint, again, the pilot, right? Because I can't comment mm-hmm. the whole show, but the pilot, thirteen crowns, gosh, I'd probably give it like a five or a six. Again, not poorly written, mm-hmm. not bad, but not great. It did very little to maintain interest, and that docks a mm-hmm. lot of points for me in a pilot. Sure. But they also didn't overwhelm us with too much information. Like, they had just enough that you knew who the character main players were. And again, I had to Google a name. Like, they don't inundate you with like, oh, yes, I am this person. This is my full name. Nice to meet you. Like, there's nothing painful like that. And maybe mm-hmm. that's another, like, not... Critique for good is that they didn't go too much into detail about stuff. They just kind of came into this thinking you knew stuff. Right. For better or worse. They didn't ham it up just to give you exposition. Which I appreciate as a viewer. But again, as far as my interests go, like, oh, I need to just like, hair more exposition. So yeah, again, it's not bad. But also, I don't think it did a good job of being a pilot to hook more people in by the end of it. Mm -hmm. That literally could have been a movie. Even though I said they stretched out 30 minutes into this. Like, that could have just been a, a bioptic moment in her life that, that could have been, I don't know. Ugh. So, five or six-ish crowns. Personally, one. Hands down, one. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to think about it. I don't even want to hear the name The Crown ever again. I'm done with it. Well, I'd like to say I could take credit, but this was a self-pick, so... Yeah, right? This, I did this to myself. <laughs> so, really, my streak still continues for giving you good shows to watch. You just did this to yourself. And if we're still playing by Rotten Tomatoes rules, even though you gave an audience rating, it still doesn't count because, you know, Rotten tomato stuff. <laughs> I, I'm going to fight you on the fact that I'm pretty sure I've ranted almost every episode that you've given me about something or another. Yeah, but a lot of the times you're like, why do you spoil me with such good shows? You can't say that about this one because I didn't give it to you. Fair. And I'm also just really good at giving you trash because I find that in- that's true too enjoyable to make you suffer. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. But I didn't suffer this week. No? I can tell you that much. No. No, I did not. I guess, I think we're done with you now. Yeah, we did it in 29 minutes, so with the yeah. intro. So. Yeah. And I think we even stretched it longer than we needed to, so we did exactly what the crown did, so good job. <laughs> Tell me about The Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaid's Tale, or as I like to call it, The Handmaiden's Tale for whatever reason. God knows <laughs> I, I don't know why. Thing. You're fine. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm just like, Handmaid's Tale, it's like... Why does that extra syllable make it better in my brain? I don't know. Yes, so I will tell you this. I'm going to probably jump around a little bit, 
overall, my thoughts are I enjoyed the show. I was really intrigued and like I had a very pensive, curious, inquisitive stare going on this entire time I was watching the show because it's not how I expected it to open or how to necessarily play out. So it it's, it opens up with the main character. Uh-oh, I'm spacing her name. Which well, name? I know her. I, I'm spacing her real June. forbidden name. Yeah. Judith? June. June. We don't find out the name until the end of the episode. So, spoiler, it's June. <laughs> it opens with her, with her husband and daughter, like, running away or escaping. The guy does some shitty driving, ends up in a ditch, car gets stuck there. He pretty much gets her and the daughter, like, running out into the forest two miles to the direction they're going to escape. He sticks around or whatnot. Is He says he's right behind them. That's not the case. We hear gunshots. He dead. But they do such a good way with like the pacing and the intensity of it because they're hiding under a rock it's got that very lord of the rings like nazgul feel when the hobbits are hiding underneath like this like tree root but it's a rock and i was just like yes i made a lord of the rings reference to this show you're welcome thank you that makes my heart so happy but i'm also glad it's not just me who feels like whatever is a scene (laughs) where someone's hiding in scenery with an overledge hobbits yep (laughs) Yep, exactly. Or like just the simple fact that it's like there are these guards or these military people. They stand on the edge of this cliff and it's really like you're looking out across and it's like you don't like look down to see if something's going on. That's I mean, Hobbits has the exception because it's like dug in. Mm -hmm. But but this is literally it's it's a rock face and they're right there. They're not like hiding over an overhang or anything. You can clearly see the feet right next to them. I digress. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's my one gripe about it. Just thinking on it. <laughs> that one scene right there. That one scene. <laughs> How dare you not do it like Lord of the Rings. It's an 80% on Rotten dare... Tomatoes now just because of that one scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How, How dare you not get Peter Jackson to direct that scene. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, they, they're at that rock face. The guards turn away and then she waits a little bit and then she starts running again. She slips and falls. She, she gets capper, ca- uh, capper, captured. <laughs> Um, her daughter gets taken away from her, and then the next scene we have is her in a red dress with, you know, um, like, wings or, like, a little bonnet hat, and she's listing everything off in the room. Basically, her monologue, the, the internal monologue and narration for this is amazing, because if you're anyone that works in retail or in a job that you have to deal with people a lot, you have your own internal monologue versus what you actually say out loud. <laughs> and they do so much good shit to do with this, and I love it. But basically, her narration is starting off listing off stuff and saying, hey, don't worry, the door, the windows are shatterproof. It's not that they want you to escape. It's just that they don't want you to escape by death. They don't want you to have sharp objects or like things to hang from so you can't get away. And it's like, Ah, we're getting bleak right off the bat. Okay, cool. Basically, her name is Offred. She had another name before this, June. But I guess so all the handmaids are giving a new name, and it's all starting with Off. I don't know the rhyme or reason for that, just... I'll interrupt you real quick. It's Of. Of. Of Fred. So they, they pronounce it weird, but they're like... Of it's, Fred. it's like property. Mm. Of Fred. Of Henry. 
Ooh, I hate mm-hmm. that. Well, <laughs> even more to reason hate to hate this. that. Yeah, there's a lot to hate in the show. Well, like in the in the setting, especially. Uh, we find out there's handmaids, there's Marthas, there's drivers. Marthas are basically the real maids of and and housemaids of it versus a handmaid. Gotta say. This is just another example of how Old Testament stuff is used to be weaponized for other stuff. This is, if you haven't heard the plot ever of Handmaid's Tale, I'll give it to you here before I carry on. Basically, this is a totalitarian government where events and crisis happened after pollution and toxic waste has ravaged the people so much that fertility rates have gone down. And so like only 10% of the women's population can have children. So to, you know fix that they basically have handmaids that go to all the rich you know commanders or military of people of importance and you know they're the the baby makers for the family or for the you know community effectively so offred or of fred you're you're pronouncing it right but like of fred like supposed to be the yeah and i i i get that now so perfect but yeah, Offred is now the property of the Waterford family of Commander and Mrs. Waterford. I think Mrs. Waterford's name is Anna Joy. And then, so, she was apparently housed or stationed elsewhere. Didn't work out. Don't really know why. But Mrs. Waterford's like, oh good, the last one we had was like trying to train a dog. And it's like, cool, dehumanizing already. Love it. She makes an exception. She can sit. There's a weird kind of awkward moment where Commander Waterford comes in and says hello. They, you know, exchange greetings effectively. He goes to leave and says, it was nice meeting you. And Offred effectively speaks out of turn, kind of like you too. And it's kind of like a slight, like she's interested, I think. But, and Mrs. Waterford's like pissed at this. Granted, whose wife would be okay with this if like they're absolutely like and that's a great scene that we have later on too with with her but uh she's played by yvonne strahovski and i absolutely loved her as sarah in chuck and then she was also in dexter i i love her as an actor she's amazing how do you feel about her character from chuck to this oh man it's so i mean it's different so different she's very prim and proper in this and I think it's also, you know, based off of the title and position she's in. She's the the wife, effectively, of this high commander in this militaristic government, effectively. He seems like, you know, wherever they're at, this is like the Republic of Ginia or something like that. I don't remember what it's called. People can correct me, but um, it's effectively a futuristic U.S. because this is technically set in Maine. And and this all starts around 2015. Awkward. Oh, <laughs> Not like there was any other political elections done around that same time. Oh, no. The book was uh, written in the 80s, though. Yes. <laughs> Funny enough, when I was looking at this, I found the trailer for the old movie adaptation of this. And oh, my God. <laughs> it's got the classic, like, deep voice movie actor guy and you see the whole movie in the trailer i love it absolutely love it and it's got ah we can we can worry about that later but it's got another actor that i absolutely love but he plays the the husband in it so but yeah uh this show we effectively see the handmaids also go and get groceries they help take care of the house so even though they're living there they're not necessarily getting a free handout because 
they're assigned to be there, so <laughs> it's effectively uh, a, a, an unpaid job. You're you're doing what you need to do. It's, it's slavery, indentured servitude, uh, whichever you want to call it. <laughs> Forced servitude. Yeah, slavery. Also known as. <laughs> Survey says. <laughs> but then we, we get to see Offred. She is very, like, withdrawn. She's keeping her opinions to herself, but at the same time, she's you know, saying everything in her head. So, like, Martha's like, you're leaving your friend waiting outside who is another handmaid named Offglen. And she's like, I would tell her that Offglen is not my friend and I think she's a pious little shit. And I'm like, ah, okay, cool. So we're getting the internal monologue. And and this Martha, like, she's got that attitude of, like, you know, the kitchen maid and she's, like, just snarky and just rude in general, which... Again, yeah, I get it, probably based off the job. But she's, they're showing the comparison that this Martha or this lady, she can speak her mind a little bit more than a handmaid can. And I'm like, okay, cool. Which I think is, I'll talk about it later too. But, uh, so, anyways, she meets off Glenn outside. Before that, she runs into the driver of the of the family uh, named Nick. She thinks he might be an I, which is effectively, you know, big brother, the military standards, the people that watch over you. So she, like, makes a couple comments. He says, oh, you shouldn't pick up tuna because they know they're doing the ceremony to make babies. And and she was like, oh, because of the Mercury readings? And he's like, no, I just don't like tuna. So he's kind of making an offhanded joke, and she thinks it's funny, but she's like, uh, he could be an I, I gotta walk away. <laughs> and so... They get to the grocery store with Offglen, and then you see a conversation between them where they're like, they discuss, they keep us in twos because they want each of us to report on each other. So I'm I'm her spy and she's mine, effectively. So, you know, they're they're putting on facades to make sure that they're not getting in trouble or getting ratted on. And off Offred thinks Offglen's a pious little shit, who is also the actress from Gilmore Girls. So. It's interesting to see her in this role. It's strange. I haven't seen a whole lot of Gilmore Girls, but I know enough of her character in that show to to make the comparison. Beale, right? Lexus Beale? I think so, yeah. I'm pretty sure. And then they go to the store. There's oranges, so Offglen mentions to offer it that, hey, doesn't your uh, you know, mistress like oranges? You should get her some. And so She's like, oh, I don't have, you know, tickets or stamps. So effectively, they still have, like, food stamps for stuff. But one of the other handmaids there says, oh, go ahead and, you know, just tell him who you work for. Like, he's big. I've I've seen it in the news. And everyone gives her a stare. And she's like, I, I didn't read it, I swear. And it's like, cool. They're not even allowed to read or, like, have any public knowledge. Good to know. So it's very, you know, stay ignorant or die. <laughs> so creepy and then everything is guarded and there's like you know guards everywhere military everywhere like even like behind the counter with the clerk it's strange and then i wrote this down too because i thought it was crazy or well not necessarily crazy but it was interesting even just in the props and setting they use when they go to that grocery store nothing has labels it's literally just like you know like two percent like for the milk and then like beans are beans corn is corn there's no labels there's it's all uniform because capitalism doesn't need to be a part of this and you can't show other brands it's all controlled substance and 
yeah, they said, oh, yeah, the fighting must be going down well in Florida if we have oranges. So they're literally ex- aggressively expanding. So now they have oranges. Yay. But, yeah, there's war going on and everything like that. They're trying to uh, expand this republic from what we can tell. All very <laughs> pseudo-Christian religion-based, very much based on theocracy. They're quoting a lot from the Old Testament, which, man, like I said, using weaponized Old Testament, apparently that doesn't go out of fashion. Never, not once. Never, not once, especially when they're, like, quoting stuff and you're like, um, actually, this person you know, offered them to sleep with them for, like, some, you know, roots. So, uh, you know, I did a little bit of deep diving on this, but, you know, that's, I'm sure there's been plenty of other papers done on this. So, yeah, then we, we get, like, a flashback and a flashback here in a little bit, but effectively, when they leave the grocery store, they go down by the bridge, and they see people that are dead and hanging, uh, next to the, the river and bridge. One's a priest, one's a, doctor and one's a gay man and she's like huh funny i don't think the punchline was this joke and she's like i think i heard this before but i don't think this was the punchline it effectively looks like obviously the priest was probably doing not okay things the doctor looks like based off of the bag over their head was probably helping people abort or was like an abortionist so they hung them and then the gay man was a gay man and can't reproduce so therefore sinful my god monster my the monsters how dare they want sexual relief for fun bastards Bastards. (laughs) they're all bastards doctors and all that jazz anyways we get a flashback to back when june got loaded off in what's called a red center or the rachel and leah uh, rehabilitation center basically brainwashing and getting you reacclimated for your position and role in society uh great stuff great stuff yeah she sees one of her friends moira there and it flashes back so you find out moira is gay and then they they make a comment there this is a flashback to like back when they're in college and june is writing a paper on campus sexual assault and moira's fling or girlfriend said hey let's go to church or whispered in her ear hey let's go to church and they run down effectively to the beach and everything. And then it flashes back to the Rachel Center. And then Moira's kind of like giving her a subtle head shake to like, hey, don't like cause a scene. Don't recognize me. We don't know each other. Mm-hmm. Like they sit down and then another girl, Janine, is in the seat next to her. This character, Aunt Lydia, who I think would be a great stand in for like a granny goodness for DC or something like that, is just like you know, laying on the propaganda, telling us about the the radiation and the toxic waste, and saying, oh, you women have been blessed by God. You have a purpose in this world because you can still make babies. And Janine scoffs and laughs at this, and then Aunt Lydia goes over to her and is like, be silent or, you know, stand up. And Janine's like, fuck you. And then she gets a cattle prod to the neck, and then she gets taken away. And it's like, cool. While Aunt Lydia did that, she said, blessed are the meek, my dear. And then June's narration or a voiceover comes on and says, huh, funny how they always leave out the part about us inheriting the earth. And then it carries her off. Effectively, she comes back into the camp at night. Or, I mean, Janine gets returned back to the bedrooms at night while June and Moira are talking about, you know, June's doesn't have her daughter and she was wondering what happened to Moira's girlfriend and she's like she got taken down to the colonies so or 
uh, she got grouped up in one of the uh, gay purges and got taken to the colonies. The colonies is where they clean up all the toxic waste. So effectively, you're you're literally just labor until you die from radiation poisoning. So cool. Worse ways to die, right? Maybe. Should watch Chernobyl after this just to make sure that that's confirmed. True facts. True facts. Janine gets dropped off and they're wondering what happened to her. Moira quotes from the Bible, if my right eye offends thee, then pluck it out. So you don't need eyes to make babies. So she even said, we're cattle, just, you know, product and, and ownership. So we don't need that. So they did that to punish her for speaking out. Janine goes a little cuckoo and she you see her later in the show. And yeah, she definitely goes off the deep end. One of the things that gets talked about a lot in this is don't lose your shit, I think was a very much an underlying part of this episode. Hey, Alex and Ethan, real quick, things are about to get really uncomfortable. That content warning I gave at the beginning of the episode, that's happening right now. Feel free to skip ahead, timestamp in the show notes for skipping past any kind of sexual trauma. Then after that flashback from the red, we're back at the Waterford's house, so current times, and they're getting ready for the bedding ceremony, effectively. Which is great. <laughs> he sent me a message like, wow, worst threesome ever. And I'm like, that is yes. the understatement of the year. Holy understatement. Shit. Yeah. If you don't know, this is what happens. We we get ready for it. When I notice this too, another thing to show you that their product and, and cattle effectively is all the handmaids have an ear tag, like literally clamped on the top of their ear cartilage. I was like, cool. We are, like, driving this home that these people have no individuality or or anything. Cool. Awesome. She's just a serial number that's used to, to you know, get preggers and then pop out babies to help the world and for God. Then the bedding ceremony gets ready. She sits down after taking a bath. She, like, is kneeling on this pillow. She's in the middle of the living room. Then, like, the Martha and then the driver, Nick, come and stand like behind her and this is where like they're definitely like not considering anyone else because the martha again i don't really like her because she's just like snarky and again she you know probably has it better in life than offred does right now and she's like they need to get this over with don't they know that uh, the rest of us have things to do and it's like you you could show a li- little bit more compassion considering someone's gonna get boned that doesn't really want this <laughs> right in front of you Mm-hmm. Imagine being in that situation, knowing that you can't help that person. Yes. And I and I know this is also kind of showing, like, while the quote-unquote help is around, they can all speak a little bit more freely, because they're, they're together and there's no one really watching them. So it's not like they're bugged on their person or anything. So they have a little conversation that's kind of like bad-mouthing everyone. So at that same time, but I, like on the second watch through, I was like, hold on, this kind of is like a dig. Like, don't mind my personal well-being. You, of course, have to go bake pies in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, sure. fuck you. Yeah, fuck me, right? <laughs> I guess. I mean, that's what's going to happen, I guess. So I told you that line would stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, and then Mrs. Waterford comes in, she sits down, and they're saying, uh, the commander's always late, and so 
they have this ceremony where the commander knocks on the door. You know, this is the wife's domain, so he has to have permission to come in. The only time he needs permission to come in anything. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> you hit yourself a little bit after that one? A little a bit. A little gross, a little, a little bit. skeezy. It's all right. A little skeezy. Just have to, you know, deflect because <laughs> these subjects are really touchy. Yeah, and so they read from the Bible of theirs, so they're they're literally quoting like the Old Testament Genesis about how um I think it was Bilal who was the handmaid of Rachel, uh who's who slept with Jacob. If you know your Christian uh theology and everything, that's basically what happened because Rachel was barren. This is where I was gonna go back to though, because I think even though it was such a subtle like remark it was the same thing where in the flashback where Moira's girlfriend said, let's go to church. And they're literally going to church right now because we have the the organ playing. We have like hymnals and then the the reading of the Bible and everything. And then we go straight to the scene where they're everything short of like having fun banging effectively. <laughs> it like I like I said, I texted Alex and I was like, wow, as soon as that started and the voiceover was being read of like the the excerpt from the book. and it's just Offred staring at the ceiling, fully clothed, with the wife holding her wrists to to restrain her, while straddling her uh Offred's head in her lap, while Commander Waterford is fully clothed as well. I thought it was gonna be like a scene when I went into it. I was like, are they just gonna do the bedsheet thing? Like, is that what they're gonna do? So oh, they no. don't have any like <laughs> No, it's like they're all active participants, even if they don't wanna be in this. I was like, cool, and it's just Obviously, Offred is, like, disassociated from this because she's not there. Mrs. Waterford is watching her husband, and that he's, like, not necessarily there either. I feel like he might be paying a little bit more attention to Offred in this situation because he's... How do you not do- in that situation? Doing things, yeah. <laughs> uh, he he finishes. Um, he, he zips up and walks out the door. <laughs> You get over there? <laughs> you tried so stealthily to transition somehow, and I just, yeah. I caught you. I caught yeah. it. Yeah, just like burying the lead, you know, and just, uh, he finishes and, and walks out the door. <laughs> That's how it felt, though. It was just like that casual or just that nonchalant, just like, eh, he finished, and, and uh, now he's back to... Now he's going back to his meetings. <laughs> the scene is so uncomfortable. and Yeah. And then this is where we get it, where obviously Alfred disassociated from the whole experience. Then she's sitting there and she obviously just doesn't want to move in general. But then the wife finally lets go of her wrist because she kind of like is still in that state too. She's like, oh shit. So like doesn't necessarily say sorry, but she realizes she's still like gripping hard on Alfred to restrain her. Then she gets off the bed, pulls her dress out from under very roughly, and then lights a cigarette. Like, it's like, was it that? Was it good for you as it was for me? Like, and I was like, eh. But then this is where I love Yvonne as an actor too, because she actually shows the depth behind this character. She isn't just like jaded and fickle and worried. It's the simple fact that it's like, she can't have kids. And this is the only way that they can. And it's it sucks that it has to be her husband with another woman and she's there. Like it's the other side of the helpless end of this is, you know, it's still a patriarchy in the sense is like, she loves her husband so much and she starts breaking down. 
after Offer leaves because Offer didn't want to move in, you know, I think Anna Joy is her name. She was like, get out. I don't want to see you, you know, obviously. Good reason, but on both ends for, for both of them. No one was happy with that situation. I don't think even necessarily the commander, because he was like, <laughs> bye. <laughs> Deuces. No one had fun. Yep. It was like, mm, good good ceremony. Like Just like the guy going to, like, the dad going to Sunday church is like, okay, I'm going to go back to the football game now. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's done. But, yeah, she was like, I think she was definitely kind of speaking out of turn, quote-unquote, offered. It was like, it, chances are better if I sit and lie still. So she's like, one, trying to say, to get me pregnant, I probably should do this so we don't have to do it as many times. Two, I know you don't want me to do this as many times, but Anna Joy's like, no, get out. I can't handle you. And then she breaks down and cries. And yeah, it's a very poignant moment where I'm like, ah, there is dimension and, and you know, depth to this person. So then we get the next scene and... <laughs> It's so awkward too. Just Alfred has June has a an anxiety attack, and she's literally like trying to effectively escape. I don't think she was necessarily trying to run, but she needed to get like fresh air and get out of the house. We get a flashback back to the house where Janine, after being like ridiculed and shamed, after they they kind of have their therapy sessions, quote unquote, just to brainwash them more. Janine is in the center of a circle and it gets pointed to blamed effectively for what sounds like a, a gang rape. And so Aunt Lydia is like, whose fault was it? Who led them on? Just giving them that good old victim blaming. And everyone points and says her fault. And June gets slapped because she doesn't immediately point and start in on the chanting. And so it's like, do it, otherwise it'll be you, you know? <laughs> so, and this is where you start seeing Janine going a little kooky because she, you know internalizes and gets more trauma from trauma and it's it's great and then we see her at night she is effectively escaping reality because she thinks she's like a server at a coffee hut somewhere or something like that like staring out the window and moira and june have to slap her out of her fantasy and get her to bed and moira's like keep your shit together Otherwise, you'll be a loony, and you won't be any use, and you'll be sent to the colonies, and you'll die by having your skin slough off your bones. Which, yeah, doesn't sound appealing. But (laughs) June is in bed, and she's like, I can't stop thinking about that. I'm trying to think about the moon. Just, you know, stay distracted. And then she's like, I can feel the commanders come dripping down. (laughs) And it's like... That is not a comfortable statement in any sense of the word. And so she, like, gets up out of bed and she's, like, she runs down the stairs and is outside. Nick, the driver, is on his, like, top garage house porch and sees her. And then she's like, ah, shit. She goes back inside and is like, keep your shit together. She thinks he's an eye. He's he's effectively like, ah, shit, I'm going to get reported tomorrow. And that's the end of it. So she's like, cool. Awesome. Nick apparently does not report her because no one comes for her, nothing. Three bells ring, three church bells ring. There is a salvaging going on today, so effectively that means all the handmaids have to leave. Before she leaves, she talks to Martha about what to get, and so she was told to get more oranges because they appreciated the oranges that were delivered before. And then the handmaid, while Nick the driver is there, since she knows he's cool, apparently says the joke hey you should pick up some tuna and so martha's like tuna and oranges 
sure, that's what I'll get. Okay. And you see like a little smirk and a nod between Nick and Nick and Offred because of the joke they had made about, you know, not liking tuna. And and then they go their separate ways. They go to the salvaging Offred and Offglen, which is effectively a, a public execution. This is where we see a huge break in Juna. She runs into one of her old classmates at the Red Center, Alma, who they kind of like have a little casual conversation after giving their, you know, salutations effectively or their proper salutations. We find out where they're stationed and they're like, hey, have you seen Moira? And then Janine turns around who is there and you don't get to see just an eye patch. She's got like a full like sloughed eye like closed and everything and she's pregnant and she's like oh moira's dead she she lost it and tried to escape so they sent her to the colonies and she's like happy about this and kind of like weird and yeah trauma is a shitty thing (laughs) and how it manifests so this is after hearing that moira is dead she effectively is like in her head and you just hear a bunch of droning and you see like she is not okay but there she's still present there they get in a big circle apparently amanda's on execution because he had sex with a handmaid and then the handmaid miscarried which i don't know how much there is to the story if there's going to be more that they explain later like no they were just having an affair and because of that he died either way no one touches the handmaid other than the handmaid i think is the real statement here but because there was a miscarriage, they label him, well, I mean, he's he's listed as a rapist, and then he miscarried, so it's like two crimes, and effectively, the handmaids take off their wings or their big hats, and then they just go to town on a mob fight on him and just, like, beat him to death, um, and then they hang him afterwards, but this is where Offred, like, loses her shit, and she uses this execution as a release off glenn can see like the change in her and she's kind of like just gone blank slate and she's lost the one friend that you know kind of kept her together even though they haven't seen each other forever which i'm gonna say i don't think moira's dead i feel like that's a mislead just for the rest of the show because there's no way they bring her in and then do that it would be one thing if they had her throughout the entire show and then like towards like the season finale showed that she was dead or something like that. But you don't just show that much of that character in one episode and not keep her through the series, even at least in flashbacks. And particularly so. get that actress. Yes, because she does a lot of voice work, and she was in... She actually uh, was the voice actor in the Telltale games for Michonne oh, in the Walking Dead series. I yeah, I looked that up. Work. Mm-hmm. Yep, she was Michonne in that. And then I'm trying to remember what else I, I remember her from. She was in Orange is the New Black. Orange is the new black. That's right. Yeah. So you don't have someone like that and not like keep them in longer. You don't bill them for a pilot episode and not use them. <laughs> Sorry, you could get someone else for that if that's the case. But um, so yeah, I don't think she's necessarily dead, but it is a good like spark for her. I think this is kind of like the ignition for what Offred's going to do for like rebellion or a revolution effectively. However, this show's going to take out because it's definitely the fact that they're going to try to create a revolution that's what the whole premise from what i've seen in advertisements has been about now we're right before i got cut off because i didn't finish the rest of it but effectively she has another flashback where it's showing that she's pregnant and she's really worried if she's going to be a good mom and moira is there to you know support her because she's like hey no you're gonna do great and she's like but 
all these other girls and all these other women are starting to have, you know, bad fertility rates. So this is right before like the turning point because everyone's trying to run up to Canada to escape effectively. So this is right before the turning of the government and everything right before she has her kid. And then, so we don't know what happened to the kid, but June is like set on finding her child. That's still her anchor to like survive all this. I think there, yeah, so we kind of have like a whole bunch of church, like going to church moments in this episode. The whole episode's tiled off red, so you're getting her state of everything. On the way back from the salvaging, Off Glen actually speaks out of turn, and they have like a real conversation. They officially meet each other for the first time, because they both thought they were pious pieces of shit. Like, oh, I, I thought you were so stuck up. And so they have that moment with each other, and Off Glen before leaving at the gate, says, be careful, there is someone in there watching you. You have an eye in the house. And so she's, you know, got this whole thing going on where she's like, someone here is out for me, so she's gonna probably keep it a little bit more locked down. But then we start back where she introduced herself as Offred. She's like, I'm not Offred, my name is June. And so it's kind of like, that's the episode. We're gonna start inciting revolution probably in the next few episodes, or trying to, like, push something out of this. So, yeah, that was the episode. So, boy, are there thoughts. As I was reflecting back on our talk of the world's worst threesome, boy, did we sound... (laughs) We sound jaded, and yeah, so, for the audience, too, I use humor as deflection, as a lot of people do, so... I apologize if it sounds like I'm taking the subject lightly. It's just to help kind of bring dark humor into a world, and I apologize. I do not stand by any of the actual things that are happening in the show or have happened to people. So just know that anything you guys have gone through or struggled with in the past, and if this is a trigger or does shed light on stuff, I'm here for you, and I want to support you in any way I can. So just know that I'm there for you, and I'm an ally for any trauma or support that may be there for you i think this is a terrible show but it's also good television i apologize oh no and, and I, it's one of those things <laughs> of me just wanting to put in that quick note oh yeah a, a, thank mm-hmm. you for the for that exclaimer mm-hmm. because i'm giggling too as you're like he finishes like that's yeah. part of the reason why i was giggling yeah. so much at that point because i'm like this is so oh, yeah. fucked up that like we're just talking about this so casually but it is such a traumatic scene <laughs> I think at any point in any of the episodes we've had before this, too, we've shown that we have <laughs> humor in most awkward places is the is the best escape route for us. Yes, so it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. With that said, let's talk about how this show makes us deep-seatedly uncomfortable. <laughs> like I said, I had a very pensive stare going on this entire time, and it wasn't necessarily like a... It wasn't a comfortable pensive stare. It was a thought-provoking and, like, my God, they're doing this type of shit. Obviously, on on Hulu, this is even rated mature, so, like, they get away, you know, obviously with cussing, and they want to definitely, like, give you... I think that's what I appreciate about the show so much, is they do a, a service of, you know, giving the internal monologue without you having to try to read everyone's expressions, because June's, like, in the shit right now, so... <laughs> She's in the thick of it, so I think it does good to show that she's using sarcasm, even in her own head at least, as a coping mechanism too. Because like I said, anyone that works in retail has that comment like, I don't think I talked about it, Mike has the comment is like, oh, you guys going out for shopping? And Offred in her head is like, 
no, Mike, I'm going to go down to the strip club. You want to join or some <laughs> shit like that? You know, like, no, nah, I'm going to go do some hookers and blow it and shit like that. Do you want to come? <laughs> she's like, but I can't say that. So, and she's just like, yes, I'm going, I'm going with Offglen. And she's a very formal and, and kind about it. It's like, I have that with people all the time. So maybe not that exact same expression, but. <laughs> so this show came out and you mentioned it too. Height of political change change uh in america is when this show came out mm -hmm. and it i thought this hit real good back in the day i watched it the second it came out there's some episodes that were happening there's there they end up going to a protest and that was mm -hmm. happening at the exact same time that the women's marches were happening mm -hmm. uh, and i bawled like i i thought like when I looked at like the the catalog of the show, there's only like th really like three or f maybe a fourth season coming out right now. But this has only been obviously based off of the mass. I thought this had been going on longer. I thought this was like on season like five or six. Like I thought it had been going on for quite some time. But no, this came out like came out in like fifteen sixteen. Mm -hmm. And I like when I noticed that. And obviously, like I said in the flashback, they show like the fertility rate dropping, and then it's only like you know 10 percent in like 2015 i was like ah that is an interesting timeline and again they don't i think they do a good thing of like not saying hey this is like you know three years down the line or whatnot they do show that it is some sort of time down the line or other but they don't exactly say when this started when this country started it's just this is the alternate universe future of what things could possibly be or you know, any dystopian future, 1984, Hunger Games, all that jazz, it shows what a future could look like for a country. So. A lot of my thoughts I wanted to share with you on this. I've, I've finished the show up to the point that it's at. There's supposed to be another season, but thanks, 2020. We won't be getting that for a little bit here. Womp womp. But, so I, like, a lot of the stuff I want to talk about, I'm not going to right now. Hopefully you finish the show at some point i will definitely continue this show at yeah like at some point i think like we kind of talked about we're i think we're all a little bit media fatigued at the moment but it's definitely a show that i will probably definitely take up it's one of those shows that i probably if i do watch will probably be like a weekly show because i feel like it's going to touch on a lot of topics that i'm going to be outraged about and i'm not going to want to watch immediately afterwards unless it's like a very big cliffhanger because cliffhangers always get me, and that's why I binge. The warning I would give is that there are gold episodes, and then there's some episodes where you're like, oh, it's a filler. <laughs> and it's so mm. weird to have this heavy, emotional, drama-driven show have filler episodes. That is interesting. And it's, it's information that's important. Right. But it's also like you just had this huge upswing. And, oh, God. Okay. Now mm -hmm. we're kind of coming down. The, is it the cool down? Is it a filler episode? Yeah. And I think I want to give a warning too that some of the character development across the board. There's stuff that June does that I'm like, why? What is this? Uh, why you do that? Why'd you do that? Mrs. Waterford. There's times where I'm like, oh mm -hmm. my gosh, look at this character development. What happened? Did we just do this because we got bored? Like, it's there, there's sometimes some real, real interesting swings, like as if just to keep the show going. But overall, mm -hmm. a lot of the character development of particularly the female characters in the show is yeah. so good. And I, what I really appreciated you bringing up was uh, after the, the ritual ceremony, seeing in this light this other victim 
this of, mm-hmm. of Mrs. Waterford and what she's going through as she's experiencing this just different side. And again, I don't think we're here to say which side is worse, right? Yeah. But it is such an interesting light of perspective of the situation. Like they're all women here are victims in some way or another. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely like a, a patriarchy society and I think it was interesting just again, I didn't necessarily expect it to start the way it did with like actually seeing her taken away from her kid and getting abducted. I thought we were just gonna get like immediately thrown into this world and that's just the world we know. We didn't know like the before times or anything like that. But I'm thinking they'll probably keep some flash forwards going. They'll probably show moments with like, you know, June's husband and her daughter further because that's a obviously a big crucial point is June wants to make sure her daughter knows her and still remembers her because she mentions like while she's taking a bath is like the memories come back to me so easily when I'm taking a bath because she has memories of going to the aquarium with her and she's like I wonder if she remembers me during anything in particular or remember what or I wonder what what causes her to remember me if she remembers me and there's a lot of scenes that show like you know, she's still on the lookout for her daughter, even in this city. We don't know where she's at. We don't know what's happening. But it's like, you got to keep your shit together so you can find your daughter. That was like Moira's whole thing that she was saying is like, so if you want to find her, you can't let yourself lose at this game. You can't let them, you know, win effectively. You got to play their game until you can, you know, you got to be smart about it until you can get yourself out of the situation. So. I feel like, again, it's it's hard. It's hard even for you to tell, I think, at this point. But again, audience-wise, you would never know. I really like this show, but even talking about it now has me shaking. Like, right. just just a steady tremble and thinking of the atrocities that were thought up and in some mm-hmm. ways don't feel far off. Right. And I think that's some of the, like, the scary element of this show is like, holy shit. It feels like one or two wrong turns and we would not be far from that ourselves yeah i feel like i mean television has gotten really good about making social commentary like relevant in their shows like for the last few years i think this kind of like gives us a good like starting point when it happened but there's so much social commentary even like with today's atmosphere like we're in September, so I can say I'm watching Lovecraft Country, and holy shit does that show talk about a lot of stuff with what's going on in the world right now, and stuff I didn't even realize, because all we had was, uh, you know, Black History Month, and that does not do any of the actual history justice, so no, go check out that show, too. That's my other shout-out for this week, is watch uh, Handmaid's Tale, and then also watch Lovecraft Country, and see... Uh, what kind of political injustices there are in the world? Hey. <laughs> Feel good. Feel good shows. Feel good. Feel good shows. It's all great. I promise you'll still love the shows, and maybe you'll just be a little bit more outraged at the end of it. So, you know, healthy anger. So were there any big takeaways or things that really shook you up? And I, I say this again as someone, uh, middle-class white female, right? The show clearly struck a few chords with me, and, and in a way that, like, eh, target audience. But was there anything that mm-hmm. really stood out to you or anything that rocked you to your core that you weren't anticipating? Uh, nothing that I wasn't necessarily like anticipating. I guess the one thing that was kind of interesting to me, again, yeah, like you said, I'm not necessarily the key demographic, but 
I can be such an empathetic person that I'll tell you this. This is a fun little Ethan tidbit. I had to read Grapes of Wrath when I was in high school, and I read it in two nights. I went into my teacher's classroom the morning that school started. I I got to school like a half hour because my dad was a teacher. Besides the point, I went into I stormed into her office and said I was so pissed off at this book and how it ended and how all the stuff happened because of the Great Depression and everything. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, so you were very upset about the book. And she's like, I was like, hell yeah, I was. And so like, she's like, ah, you actually, you know, understand, you know, social demographics and, and, you know, stuff like that. Because it was high school, no one gave a shit about the book. Yeah. They were just something you had to read for a grade, right? Yeah, exactly. That book, like, I was literally like angry, and I I felt atrocities from that book. I still read it once a month, or I mean, not once a month, once a year to to remember that book. But that's kind of like how I was with this show, even this pilot episode. Like, I sat down and I was like, God, there's so much like fucking wrong with like with this show. It makes for great television and drama, but at the same time, it's like. It's weird and unsettling to think that this could either be a reality or that someone even thought this up because it's not far from a truth that's out there. And again, I, as a as a white male, don't get to I don't have a leg to stand on on any like objections or anything. So like in this sense, I was like, yeah, this is all fucked up shit. Like I can't there is no room for argument or debate on that end. So. Yeah, uh, again, I think the one thing that kind of threw me off was, was the the salvaging. I think, I think, again, maybe it's going to be used for like a story point later on. But the way they laid it out, and he was just there and everything, I honestly don't totally think and this is just for for plot sake. I don't think necessarily that he per se did rape uh, the handmaid and or uh, led to a miscarriage. I feel like he might either be a scapegoat or he was, you know, one of the helpers of the house. He fell in love with the handmaiding. They had an affair and then they don't want to ruin the handmaid. So they put the blame on him. It's, you know, you catch a thief in your, in your orchard, you chop off his hand type thing or other. So I think that's kind of what maybe happened, but I think it was a very good crucial moment for June to have that release. And Shows you that, I mean, in that moment, it wasn't about what actually happened. It was that she needed that emotional release and trauma from everything that's happened the last few months, years, however much has happened. And just, you know, hearing Moira's death was like the final straw that she needed something. And luckily enough, there was this criminal that needed to be executed via mob beating that i don't know that i thought was interesting it was a very interesting dynamic this is a show i try to recommend to as many i I would say for cis men as possible Mm -hmm. because it is uncomfortable to watch it is not a happy feel-good show it never becomes Mm -mm. a happy feel-good show (laughs) there's no there's no real silver lining or happy ending i can tell that much already But I think the core elements that are in this show are so important to watch. And it shouldn't be billed as a female feminist show, right? I I really feel like everyone should take the time. If you have the spoons, the uh, emotional energy, the mental fortitude for it, right? Not like, Mm -hmm. I just want to watch something else. Like, if, if, if you haven't seen it, and I feel like it's something... 
that I can recommend as a TV show that can actually help people grow. And I don't think you get that very often from fictional shows. Not typically. Uh, the other thing it kind of reminds me of, too, is like, obviously, it deserves all the praise in the world for like, for what it's been able to tell as a story. And I can see that already just from one episode. It's been nominated. I think it's have a few awards. I think everyone involved, cast and, and creators alike, have been, gotten praise for it. It also reminds me, too, of like Jordan Peele when he came came out with Get Out and how like that was it had its like upbeat moments or some like quirky, humorous moments. But it was definitely telling a very real story about a lot of other things with with race and even just gender as well too and he's like done other stuff with like other shows and other movies and this i think was again another like stepping stone for that because i think this came out obviously before get out and it was a good like jumping off point for a lot of people to say hey we need to tell like real stories and like real things we just don't need filler tv to distract you we want you to actually think and feel with these characters game of thrones can give us you know you know dick and titties all they want (laughs) but it doesn't have necessarily like a full strong socio economic uh you know powerpoint to it or or meaning behind it it's just something that everyone wanted in a big epic or hero storyline versus this is a normal person trying to figure out how to live in a society that they didn't help create or don't want to be a part of so i am really really happy you sat and watched this and that you enjoyed it as much as you can enjoy something like this yeah um which is a side note tangent being in the field that i'm in there's so much like i really enjoy this and then if you're not in the right circle people being like what yeah (laughs) well that's what like that's what i want to talk to you too obviously like you and i feel like break down into like psychology like discussions about tv shows and characters and everything like like i said there's a lot of disassociation from this and just like also herd mentality that had to be created because again it's it's like a you know 1984 big brother dystopian future man in the high castle thing going on so it's it's got a lot going for it like just in you know social standpoints i would love to talk about the disassociation during the ceremony um, I would love to talk about Janine's trauma and her trauma response and also June's trauma response because that's what she's going through at the same time. All of her choices mm-hmm. is, is a direct trauma response. I think these are all fascinating and not just from an academic perspective, but just a, a fascinating, well-written part of media that we don't, again, we just don't always get. We don't always get right. these mindful acknowledgments of what's happening however i feel like also to go into detail that is one super triggering for a lot of people and two i also am not a good authority on it besides hey i recognize that and i think it was really well done yeah this is one show we aren't talking shit about but if you want more discussions i'm sure that there are whole papers written about this show like and even just probably about the book obviously the the real source material behind everything for every show like this, we still have a Midnight Texas out there, or probably ten more. So, so don't worry. I mean, oh, we we have some heavy shows, but don't worry. There's plenty of other TV shows that you can watch to turn your brain off. This isn't one of them, but I think it's a good show to watch to to give you something to think on. So let's see. What kind of rating can I give that isn't 
flying in the face of the the seriousness of it. Out oranges. of <laughs> oranges, we can do oranges. Oranges, oranges. okay. <laughs> I don't know what else there really was in the show. To I was going to say at. the wings. The oh, the, the wings. Bonnets. Yeah, the bonnets. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of a number, right? Oh yeah. I was. I don't think it was a significant number. I just pick a random number and go with it. We're gonna say nine out of nine oranges. Out of nine oranges. So on the Rotten Tomatoes side of it, <laughs> the 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 critic side, I'm gonna give it nine oranges, and then I think out of the the personal review, I'm gonna give it nine oranges. Wow! So, yeah. Just last episode, you said how you would never rate anything at a hundred percent. I know. I go back <laughs> on my word all the time. I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> It's what I do. But so you really liked it. You like, you yeah, really liked it. Yeah, I did enjoy it. it. Like I said, like, like I was slack-jawed, like pensive staring at the TV. If I'm like that immersed into a TV show, it deserves credit where credit is due. So you mentioned the media fatigue. Mm-hmm. How eager are you to start watching this again? Are you like chomping at the bit? Like you, you've been waiting for this episode so that we can watch more of it? Or This is a show I wish like I had someone. I mean, I could probably r- wrangle up some of my roommates to watch it. But it's a show that I actually wish that I could have like that. I probably wish I would have started watching it when it first came out. So I could have watched it with a group of people or if it was a week by week or, you know, a season out at a time. I have a lot to watch, obviously, right now. But I kind of wish I had someone else to watch it with to get, to have like that discussion afterwards. If you wanted to do... Who uh, who could possibly... Who would want to do something like that? Who would want to do a rewatch party Gross. or something like that? Gross. Ew, disgusting. With you? Ugh. Yeah. Well, we'll have to talk later. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a definitely a show I'll probably go back to. I think it might be something that I do like kind of like on a weekly basis right now. Mm-hmm. Or if like... Because I'm reading a lot more now. Good. Weird, right? Good for you. Yeah. Most of it's comics, so I don't still get that much of a pat on the back. Sure. It's a lot of pictures, pretty pictures. <laughs> but yeah, I think it'll probably be a show I watch like maybe an episode or two each week, either do it weekly or whatnot, because TV is kind of coming back in a little bit more of a swing because like I said, Lovecraft Country starting. I think that's a show we need to talk about at some point in time because <laughs> because it's, it's good. It's good. It's real good. It's good. And it's a weekly show, so it's great. Mm-hmm. So I can, I can decompress from it a little bit. I can simmer on it for a little bit. I can stew on it and it's. This isn't this isn't about Lovecraft Country. This is about Handmaid's Tale and, and the Crown. <laughs> barely, barely about the crown. <laughs> barely about the crown. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely a show I'm gonna continue watching. How soon am I gonna do it? Uh it will probably be in the next few days or so. Cause definitely like after we kinda like had the pause or the break before it, I was excited to rewatch it again just so I could like catch things again. And had I started it earlier, I probably would have leaked into the next episode because, you know, they do those countdowns uh, until oh they go into the next no. episode. Oh, no. Sorry, Alex. I watched three episodes. <laughs> it was on autoplay. I don't know how that happened. Weird. Oh, man. Netflix and Hulu did it again. They just sucked me in. Oh, no. But yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely a show I'll probably continue in the next few days or so or on a weekly basis since I have three seasons four seasons to watch right now yeah well then i think i think it's time to say farewell i think so so thank you everybody for hanging out with us as we mostly talk about the handmaid's tale (laughs) but 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 we do stuff you can find me and ethan on twitter you can find ethan at e tay shaw 
at Etasha. That's E-T-A-Y-S-C-H-A. Too late to change it now, so don't you worry. You'll find it everywhere that way. <laughs> you, you've been branded. Can't, can't I've been branded. <laughs> can't go back. Could have made it Eshaw with like a W at the end, but nope. nope had to go. Had to go with the real last name. Perfect stuff. You fool. You fool. And you can find me on Twitter at Roll for Alex. Anything else that we're doing right now? Mm, not right now. Well, if you uh, if you like hanging out with us, you should totally also hang out on our Discord. It is now the Cool Kid Community. It is the same link that it's always been. It just has gone through its own rebranding. Mm-hmm. This is like the third third time, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> but you can find cool stuff like memes and us talking about anime, and it's it's just a bunch of cool people that have come around from the communities of different projects that we've done together over the last few years. So yeah. And you can definitely go there. There's a thread specifically for first. So you can tell how wrong Alex is about the crown and how it's, you know, you so absolutely close. vitalizing for everything. You were so close. You almost had so it, buddy. Close. Almost. <laughs> One of these days. Thank you to the Spinwires for the use of their song, The Astronauts, from their Nights Out EP. You can also uh, Hit us up either on the Twitter sphere or Discord to tell us how wrong we are, even though we know we're right. <laughs>